from Ephesians chapter 4. I'll be reading again what I've read for the last four meditations, I believe, verses 25 through 32, and we'll be concluding the series today. Hear the word of God. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Lord, we do pray that you would open our hearts to receive your precious word now. May it come in power by your Spirit to conform us to the image of Christ and to prepare us for fellowship with you at your table. For we ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I was really surprised by this, but it was at the end of May last year when I began this meditation series on th this chapter and this section of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, because it, was, it has much to say to us uh, as believers about how we're to relate with one another. And if you remember, 2019, our focus was on relational wisdom, and uh, it's, this seemed a very uh, appropriate uh, passage and because, actually, this passage, I think I mentioned last time, has been so meaningful to me personally uh, in how to grow in communication with others and also as, a, as an elder in helping others to learn how to relate in love. As I said before, the Lord often brings this passage to my mind, and especially verse 32, which uh, I will conclude with, uh, I'll conclude the series today with that verse, but I'd like to just have a really uh, quick overview. So the first section, if you have your Bible open or your phone on and you can actually see the whole chapter, the first section of Ephesians 4 gives us truth on how to walk in unity, how to walk in unity with the Apostle Paul beseeching us and his readers then and us, all believers, to walk worthy of our calling, he said, as fellow members of the same family. Specifically, he said, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, that to walk together in unity, we are to relate in, primarily in lowliness and gentleness, it tells us. In lowliness and gentleness, as our Lord Jesus did on earth, who was gentle and lowly of heart. He was meek and he was mighty at the same time. And we are to be long-suffering, which means patient, with one another, just as the Lord bears with us in love, we are to bear with one another in love, even in our differences. And I said this back in early June of 2019. If we are long-suffering, we will be very hesitant to be quickly defensive, to have to win an argument or a discussion, to make another bow, in a sense, to us or agree with us. We will quickly overlook what may be an offense, or we will deal with it as a peacemaker should. And we should be the first people, of all people, to listen and to give grace 
and to try to understand what the other person, another person is going through, what they are saying. We should seek first to understand and then to be understood. We should bear with love in those areas where we have allowable differences. And we're to work hard to keep, it says in verse 3, to keep or maintain the unity of the Spirit. The unity that the Lord Jesus made possible by his sacrifice. He bought that. To give us peace with God and to give us peace with one another. Brothers and sisters, that was a great cost. To make peace with God and with each other possible. And so, we are... It tells us to be eager. In fact, we're to be zealous to maintain the unity of the Spirit who unites us. To do less than that grieves the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 19. This is another verse that comes to my mind when I'm thinking on these topics. It says, let us pursue, pursue two things here, pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Two things we're to pursue, peace and those things that edify. And I would ask each of us, each of you, I want you to ask now, if you desire to do so, that you'd answer this question in your heart. How is my pursuit of peace now, today even? How is my pursuit of peace among my brothers and sisters here? How is that? Well, after that section of Ephesians 4, verse, that was verses 1 through 4, the Lord gave us wisdom from verses 7 through 16 about walking. What does it mean to walk in a manner worthy of our calling as sons and daughters of the King? And that, that is by applying the gifts of the Spirit. He has given us the gifts of the Spirit. We're to apply those, and we each have them for the edifying of the body of Christ in love and to maintain this oneness that he bought on the cross. A body of believers, I believe, serving with their gifts, meaning uh, they are aware of them and they are actively trying to use them, serve in the body of Christ, in the local body. That kind of person causes that congregation who are redeemed to be one family, to be a united family, causes that group to be built up and to mature in the faith and to be blessed by the Lord with effective ministry to one another in the body. And I believe then... Uh, to those outside the body. All of those things which glorify our Master and Lord. Well, the next major section, verses 17 through 24, it gives us wisdom about putting things off, putting off the remnants of the old nature, the old man, uh, the unregenerate nature, from which the Lord died to give us freedom, and which he is now removing, praise the Lord, by sanctifying us. And he uses each other in that sanctifying process. And then in the last section, the one we just read, uh, verses 25 through 32, it concluded with some more things to put off so as not to grieve the Holy Spirit and what to put on which pleases him and thus then imparts grace to others in the body. Two weeks ago, I shared about putting away from us all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking or slander and all malice, which is heinous sin. Because each of those things, each of those actions, 
undermines the growth and the maturity that we have in the Lord and certainly undermines loving relationships between us, between those whom he has assembled for his sovereign kingdom purposes in this local body. And then the Lord, through Paul, ended uh, these thoughts, this chapter 4, anyway, this section, with be kind to one another, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, kindness is an attribute of God. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's basically thinking of others more than yourself, being considerate of what they may be going through. In other words, you have concern for them so that you express loving words and actions toward them. You act sacrificially to show compassion to them and to speak lovingly to them and of them. In fact, you just change your words if you have to. You're careful with your words to avoid hurting other people. Even when they may not be responding in kind, they may not be responding in love to you. Psalm 103, in Psalm 103, the beginning there, it tells one of the benefits from the Lord that we are not to forget is that he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. That's what I'm talking about here. That's what verse 32 is talking about. The Lord crowns us. In other words, he gives us a great blessing of, of his loving kindness and his tender mercies so that we can act in that way because we are to be growing in his image. And then tenderness, even for men. You know, to be tender-hearted is closely associated with kindness. And the opposite, of course, is to be hard-hearted, to be uncaring of uh, a person's situation or a person's problems or their suffering or their cares or the pains that they're going through. Maybe you don't know those, but, and, and, and of their fears and of the reason that they have for certain convictions or certain actions. If you have a tender heart, you are compassionate, and so I believe you easily want to help others. You, you really want to understand other people. You, you're striving to not hurt them, and you want to reduce their hurt, in fact. Now, of course, words from a friend can be painful in a good sense and necessary, but they should still come from a tender heart. And tenderheartedness means withholding, judging them in those areas where the Lord gives freedom. Romans 15, 7 tells us to receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Or accept. God is glorified when we receive and we accept one another in areas of allowable differences and when we accept one another as Christ has accepted us. And we are to forgive one another even as God in Christ has forgiven us in that same way. And brothers and sisters, we have been forgiven much and at great cost. And so who are we to judge the Lord's servant? Well, kindness must be practiced and it can be developed, but its source is uh, our walk in the Spirit, with the Spirit. And the power of it, I believe, behind kindness, I believe, is, is your love for the Lord Jesus. You've seen his kindness to you, and so you can express that to others. He showed, and he's continuing to show his eternal compassion to us and his mercy and his kindness to us. He paid our debt. 
And then he included us into his family by shedding his blood for us, which we are reminded of every time we come to the table of the Lord. Greater love has no one than this, and greater kindness and tenderheartedness has no one than this, to give his life for one another, to sacrifice life, indeed, and legitimate blessings, let's say, and to sacrifice benefits and rights out of love for one another. And this is part of what it means, I believe, as we saw in the first verse a year ago. What it means to walk in a manner worthy of our calling in this body. That kindness is increasingly given and that tenderness is increasingly expressed in word and in action. That the law of love is obeyed and that we die to self. So before we come to the table, which we are to do in unity, we can do so joyfully in unity and in love for one another as fellow members of the body of Christ. If the Lord has brought to your mind through his word here that you have not acted with kindness and tenderness or you have spoken to or about others without kindness and without tenderness or if you have not asked for forgiveness or have not been forgiving, please confess that to the Lord now in a time of silent prayer before coming to the table. And then I will conclude. Let's pray. O oh Lord, died to bring your people into one body, into your family, and that the law of love would be practiced there, and to show to the world that we are your disciples in our love for one another, that your name would be hallowed and praised, and that your people would relate then in joy and worship you in joy together. O oh Lord, as we come to your table now to seek grace, to live this way, to live in unity, O oh Lord, give us grace to be kind to one another. Give us grace to be tender-hearted with one another. And give us grace to be forgiving as you have forgiven us. And dear Lord, I ask, as your weak servant and your shepherd for this flock and for the glory of your holy name, that we would go forward now in unity and in strength, in the name of Jesus Christ, our one Lord. Amen.